Welcome to Steam Powered Scoundrels, a Malifaux 3rd Edition podcast. Episode 12 Hype and Legos. I'm going to apologize ahead of time. My daughter was playing very loudly with her Legos. And so for the first half of the show, you will be treated to kind of a sound of breaking glass, but it's just her playing. I didn't realize it until I had started editing, so I apologize for that. I hope it doesn't ruin the show for you. Welcome back to Steam Powered Scoundrels. I'm your host, Doug. With me today are three very lovely people. Victoria. Hello. Brian. How's it going? And Roman. It's good to be back. Today on the podcast, we're going to scream nonstop for two straight hours. Sounds about great. About the new edition of third... Oh. What? You said scream nonstop, so I figured we would just scream nonstop. Well, I mean, you can scream about things. I thought it was just screaming. My bad. Okay. I wonder if there's any podcast like that. Just hey, screaming? Classic us. It has been like half a year since we posted something. <laughs> and right out the bat, we're getting totally sidetracked. Okay. Uh, in one noise that contains zero words, Brian, how do you feel about third edition? <laughs> okay, I'm going to have to dial that back on editing. Uh, Roman. <laughs> Roman, what's your sound? Ah. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) She kind of got a little uncomfortable from that. I wanted to ask Victoria to make uh, any noise because technically she was not in the beta and therefore has no knowledge of this whatsoever. I definitely didn't break NDA with my wife. However, Doug's noise. Ah. Oh, that was uncomfortable. Yeah, that was the point. Hey! Third edition, non-disclosure agreement, just ended. Well, technically ended a couple days ago, but we get to talk about that now. Hooray. We finally get a podcast again. Hooray. Yay. Many huzzas. Now, to be fair, we had material we could have run with, because we're the shitty podcast that'll talk about really any terrible idea we have. But people have been busy, we've been busy, we've been busy doing bunches of things, so... Oh, why don't we go around the table, the figurative table, because we're on Discord right now, and explain why we decided not to record. This is me guilting Brian and Roman here. And myself. Victoria! Yes? Why couldn't she record podcasts? We were busy, and there was Christmas, and the child, and, you know, our home needs upkeep and stuff. Plus, we've been playing... So many RPGs. So many RPGs, You're people. You're running th- a Through the Breach campaign. We're part of the D&D campaign. We're part of the Rogue Trader campaign. And I'm running my first Through the Breach campaign as a GM, so that's fun. And also we're doing the Shifting Loyalties campaign. Awesome. Brian, why couldn't you record? I, I, I've been free. I, I, don't got, I don't have anything going on, like... I'm I'm in a couple RPGs, I do some gaming, like, most days I'm all good. I take no responsibility or blame in this. Alright, Roman, I hope you're a better liar. Oh, I am deeply hey, it's offended Roman's, at the tr- It's Roman's turn, Brian, shut deeply up. Deeply offended at the truth you Shut said. up, Brian! <laughs> well, I've 
you know, mostly been rolling around in the M3E beta files day, night, and often in my dreams. So I really forgot how to speak English if it wasn't pertaining to M3E during the entire course of the closed beta. Wow. So you'll be the expert we'll fall back on because I'm an opinionated asshole. And Brian's Brian. I'll do my best. Uh, that's true. Um, yeah, uh, uh, Victoria gave a good amount of stuff we've been doing. Also, like when we have time to Malifaux, it's been about the beta. I've also had to take a, co- a class, which hoovered up most of my November and parts of October and December. And been programming a bit. Hopefully that'll come to fruition soon. I've been coding a Through the Breach character sheet for Roll20, and it's about to a point where I can have people test it, so hopefully I can get it out by the end of this month. But uh, we've been busy with other things, but they've been tangentially related. But now we've got a backstock of things we want to talk about. And first and foremost, today, we get to splurt, we just get a gush out our mouths, gushing, fortuitous knowledge of 3rd edition. Can I describe that in a more gross way? If you really tried, I'm sure you could. I like the word gush. It makes you uncomfortable. <clears throat> Today is the I feel like if you context. combine uh, gush with moist, it would it would be slightly grosser, but that's uh, really dependent on if, if someone doesn't like the word moist. Mm-hmm. True. true. I true, like true. the word moist, because I use it to describe cake. Yeah, yeah. It's a good word for describing cake. Okay. Like Alright, let's let's tr- let's try to get down into some of the changes that we can now talk about. I have a Pretty a decent list, and we're going to go into generalities because in about a week, all y'all, or whenever I publish this, will be able to read the stuff for yourselves and make opinions on it. So we're just abusing the fact that we have knowledge of it to give you something to listen to, but not going to spoil everything. So <clears throat> general rule changes, there what didn't seem to be a whole ton. It seemed to be really nice uh, quality of life fixes, got rid of some things that people hated adjusted a few things here and here and there to make more sense. And really, overall, I'm quite happy with the rule changes. Heck, I'm probably more happy with... This is the part I'm the most happy with. Going down my list, Red Jokers got changed a little bit. I believe, though, actually, the only thing they really changed on that is damage is no longer severe and weak. It is just severe plus one. Which, considering most models either have a weak damage of one or two, that's not that big of a difference. Okay, so Brian, what's what's another change? Uh, Soulstone use, they've started changing it up slightly. Uh, you still have the pretty standard uh, stone for a positive flip, stone for a suit on um, a duel, and you can still stone to put your opponent on a negative for damage, but this happens after the duel is resolved. So you can see if they hit or not, and by what margin before you stone, so you can potentially uh, save some value on stones. And then it's changed with uh, card draw and healing. You can stone as many times as you want for cards. Each time you draw two cards, and then you have to discard two cards. And with healing, if you stone twice, let's say, you do the flat one, two, three heal flip plus one per stone used. So healing's not necessarily more efficient. You get more stone prevention. It's depending a, if you want to use the stones. I qualified as a double edged sword because you could spend a bunch of stones and end up getting that severe flip and then kind of wasting some of them. But also right. 
you know that you can definitely stop more than three points right. of damage. Like, if, if you really <clears throat> want to keep your your master alive from that big, beefy, eight damage severe that's coming in, you can. Now, it's probably just better to stone and put them on a negative to prevent them from hitting, from cheating in that severe damage, or at least decreasing the statistics of it, unless you're me, because I always do it on negatives. But yeah, if you want to spend five soul stones and make sure you're, you know, preventing at least five damage, you can if you want. It's kind of cool. Okay, looks like Victoria's not feeling well, so it's just a sausage party now. Awesome. <sighs> the best type of party. <laughs> sausage is delicious. Um, Roman... <laughs> Uh, so, I know they've changed fall damage a little bit. There's no more, you know, measuring to see if the thing you're falling off of is three inches tall before it matters. Uh, now it's just half distance rounded down. So if you're on a one inch box and you fall, no biggie. If you're on a two inch box, you're going to take one damage unless you climb down that first inch and fall the second one. And height three turns into two damage, height four or excuse me, no, height three turns into, yeah, two damage, and then four turns into two as well. Yep. Uh, so, yeah. It, well, actually, well, no, it's rounded down, so height three would still be one damage. You half it, and then you flip. Still gets around it. So 1.5 becomes one. But still, that's great, because now when your when a bell lures your sniper off of his vantage point, he doesn't immediately die. Don't be a terrible person using bells. Well... You know, you kind of have to if you want to play Seamus. True. That, sure, sure, sure. Um, cover has been modified. We have imposing the same minus on a damage flip for it, and it gives you a plus one to your defense. So depending on your crew build, uh, cover gets pretty useful. And then you can combine that with this new... Uh, trait of train which is concealment and if you're in concealment all non-claw actions gain a minus the the duel so then if you're in cover and concealment you get plus one defense and the attack has a minus uh to, to begin with which is pretty strong i'll follow that up with uh, cover is no longer split between hard and soft it is actually a byproduct of shadow which is this new thing uh, where instead of you having to measure and make sure you're within an inch of whatever the cover is, the height of that object, you can be that far away from the object, and as long as at least one sight line from the target to you is drawn through it, and you're within that range, you get that cover aspect. If all lines of sight are drawn through that cover and it is taller than you are, you aren't seen, so it really doesn't matter. One thing I wish they would clean up a little bit is the wording for that in the rules. It's very awkward to read and translate into actual what it looks like on the table as it's written now, but it's it's a very difficult concept, so they, they do need a little bit there. But it's much improved over the original vantage point rules from M2E. Oh, oh, heck, Lord, yes. oh heck yeah. It's so, no more vantage point, hallelujah, it's gone. The shadow cons the shadow thing works really well in most cases. <clears throat> I guess as far as like specifically vantage point and standing on top of things, you just have to uh, understand that if you're within basically an inch from the edge of whatever you're on top of, you don't count the thing you're on top of as part of blocking your line of sight. So 
Yeah, so you you ignore the shadow for that purpose and the line of sight blocking, which makes sense. If you're on top of a building looking down, they're not going to be obscured by the building. I think they need to have some caveats in there because certain things don't necessarily work terribly well with this mechanic, like trees, individual trees. Because a tree is, you know, tends to be really tall, but also really thin. So if you are like within three, in this case, three inches of that tree and line sight nudges up against that, the trunk of that tree, um, you're getting, you're getting cover from it, even though really, I don't think you should, but that, that's more of an opinion, I guess. Now, I'll get to that later, uh, opinions on stuff, so I'll shut up. Uh, we now have a new terrain type called Destructible. Basically, you can take an, an action to remove said destructible terrain, which is kind of cool. Most people probably aren't going to be setting it up on the board, but there are markers in the game that come into play that are destructible, like your ice pillars from Asputina. I think this is a really cool mechanic, um, and I think it will give us a lot of freedom when we're actually building a board to like have hazardous terrain to start with, not just being created by the you know, however many actions there are in the game that do it, but it makes the physical terrain interactive. So you could design like a tournament board, or maybe not a tournament board, but like a escalation league type board uh, for something that's already kind of wonky, where you can literally knock through walls and things like that. Which I think could be a really fun thing to mess around with. Ooh. Yeah, I've, I've been playing around a little bit with that. I usually have been calling like crates as destructible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that's been working really well, actually. I, I completely agree. The little bit of interactivity with the board is a new and pretty sweet positive flavor for the game. Brian, go ahead and pick something else. More changes. There is now a hard uh, hand size limit of six cards. So basically, if you draw if you're at six cards, you draw one extra card or two extra cards. You get that card, but you have to discard down to that six card limit so i think we're going to see one card draw in the middle of the turn arguably stronger than it was an m2e but then anything that increases your hand size for any way so arcade reservoir is going to be crazy strong uh i'm an outcast player and under m3e i've gained a number of extra arcane reservoir models and models that could potentially trigger arcane reservoir so i'm very excited with how the card mechanic works prevent like a nico type thing where oh they drew up to like 14 cards in a turn so either they have amazing hand during the turn or they just pitched you know 10 or 12 crap cards so then at the top around three they have just an amazing deck in general so it's going to fix i think a lot of those problems Yay! You can no longer spend a soul stone to reflip your initiative, which not a lot of people did anyways, because there was no guarantee it would actually win you initiative. But now you can cheat it. I think Brian might have mentioned that before. No, but an important caveat on the, the initiative. It's not stonable, it's cheatable, and you add in any pass tokens that you accumulated from the previous round and did not spend. Pass tokens being... Probably one of the largest changes to, uh, to Malifaux, where if your opponent has more models than, than you at the top of the round, you get the, a token per model that lets you pass the activation. So if they activate, it's your turn, they have more models than you, spend a token, 
it goes back to them. And then certain uh, keyword models can spend past tokens for buffs or things. Charges have changed. You don't have a charge value anymore in your card. You just move your movement value and you get one attack. And this is relatively okay because I actually think this is more powerful than charging was before. And really? we, we, we'll get into part of that. One of, one thing is that since it's not 2 AP, there's nothing stopping you from killing a model with your first AP and then charging another model with your second AP. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, you basically have a larger charge dis- distance of cost of an extra uh, movement. Uh, and technically as written, at least by my reading and some people on the forums reading, you can charge and you don't have to take an attack. So no. there are certain models that have their their movement increased by a number of inches on a charge, so they could just charge forward but not actually attack anything to cheese out movement. Though, in my opinion, charge is not nearly as strong as it was in M2E, because char- a charge currently now is a push, and you cannot push over like trains, like a, a fence or a wall that you would have charged into and over an M2E, you just stop. Because you can't charge up things. You can't push up a, a height one or two fence. You can't. Um, it specifically says if when a model pushes, it's stopped by impassable terrain and other models. So a piece of terrain has to be impassable for it to stop the push. But a lot of things are impassable. But it'll also, because it's a push, it'll be stopped by going up. Right, that's the important Climbing. thing. You cannot go push <clears throat> up something. So even if a, like a wall doesn't need to be impassable to prevent you from getting stopped by it. And Oops. I think the trade-off there is now charges are more flexible. Other than you can't go over terrain, what you can do is you can walk to get to where you can charge, right. since you're getting only one attack out of it anyway. Mm-hmm. So your range is increased. You also don't need to be uh, able to see what you want to hit. You basically saw someone go around a corner, so you're charging down the ally and, or alley, and you're swinging blindly after the fact. Mm-hmm. Like, on the specifics, it says you push your move distance, and then you may take an attack. Yeah. So, uh, so there's cheese movement out. Yeah, mm-hmm. for for the models that give you additional distance on your charge, being sort of held back by the fact that again you can only take one charge a turn unless your right. model allows you to do multiple charges. There's a couple I do that. <laughs> I just I I liked the M2 E version of charge primarily because. I'm an outcast player. I love Von Scheele and Strongarm Suit. So his their unimpeded charging, it, their charge were a place. I just <clears> placed <throat> my my model after I charged it within my eight or nine inches, whatever it was, and attacked things. Um, that being said, I think it's good for the game overall. The in my opinion, the power level just isn't as strong as the M2 version. Okay. I think overall that's going to lead to fewer gotcha moments uh, yes. in general, which is in general good for the game. Power <laughs> level overall, I think we're looking more, as far as killing power, more at something close to the beginning of M2E as opposed to the end of M2E, where everything that's brother had, you know, min 3 damage and multiple ways of getting it on you. <laughs> I would say, in it seems like maybe damage has been scaled back, but not super drastically. I think the larger scale is 
threat ranges, at least on melee attacks, has gone down massively. Most yeah. things at most have one inch. There is now a zero inch engagement, so you have to be in base contact. And I think that more is going to tone down the killiness of the game and not so much the reduction in the actual damage spread, because while the damage spread seems to have gone down somewhat, uh, so is health, it seems. Health has gone down on most bottle uh, models by a wound or two, in my opinion. The other thing that uh, that reducing, or rather the other reason they've reduced the engagement ranges is because you can no longer walk through an engagement range. If you walk into it at all, you're, you're right. stuck. Which makes sense. Which yeah. is, I think I mostly played it that way in uh, M2E. Mm-hmm. A- anyways, I'm I'm still kind of of the opinion that it's just as just as Kelly, just with my game experiences. Yeah, like, like wounds have gone down, so stuff like poison and burning are more dangerous. Mm-hmm. And um, the damage reduction, while being reduced across the board, I see more affecting moderate and severes and less weak damage. So you're still um, getting average two on your uh, weak damage tracks. Yeah. Um, and if you don't have armor or incorporeal, I guess, or shielded as a new condition that reduces damage somewhat, you're still taking that flat two damage or more. That still hurts. Uh, and I think shooting crews, as as nice as cover and shadow are, I think shooting crews in certain matchups are going to still be very, very gunline strong, especially in Rezzer matchups where the Rezzer models generally already have weaker defenses. <laughs> the bonus from cover doesn't really change anything. Now you're just at a normal defense value, and a standard gunline is going to pick you apart, and you might not, you probably won't have enough time to get there. Now, I've had a couple beta games like this. Uh, obviously, that's still liable to change, and I'm hoping in some ways it will. That being said, if it doesn't, I'm fine with it because <laughs> you play Outcast, because Outlast <laughs> Outcast has many ways to build a viable gun line. So <clears throat> okay. I'll cheese it. As much uh, as let's let's try to get through these rule changes before we get into opinions. I, I'm oh, not sure, knocking sure. you. I'm doing the same thing, but I realize we got actually quite a bit of stuff here. Let's save the bitching for last because it's my favorite part. <laughs> Interaction has changed. Well, really, let's talk about engagement. Um, once you are in engaged with someone, you actually can't take an interact, which is the same as previous. You can't take a walk. Can't take a charge. You are stuck there until you make a disengage action, which is basically it, disengaging from M2E, but this time your movement is reduced. If they, if they hit you on this attack, your movement is reduced by... Uh, flat quote-unquote damage track and then you push the remainder of your movement away so it's possible that if they um do well enough on this uh pseudo attack that they'll keep you in place yeah i, I think the da- the quote-unquote damage track is two four six someone correct me on that yes, two, Absolutely uh, you're correct, yeah. so if your movement is you know less than six and they severe that damage it cannot be cheated uh, no damage actually happens but if they severe it you don't walk away I think it's a really cool mechanic. I really like that. Just to clarify here, I noticed um, they have the word damage in quotes because it's not actually a damage track, so hard to wound will not affect it. It's still a damage flip, so I think it does. I I, I got the rules right here. I'm going to look that up real quick. 
But either way, one another thing with that is the more models you have engaging the model trying to get away, it does, for each of those models, give you a positive flip to the quote-unquote damage. So the more you gang up on somebody, the less likely they are to get away. So it's okay. potentially see. better than an M2E where you have, like, if you engage with two models, you would do two separate duels. Mm-hmm. It's arguably better. If the attack is successful, instead of its normal effects, reduce this model's push distance by 2, 4, 6. This damage flip can be cheated and receives plus flips for every other enemy model engaging this model. So I, because damage is in quotes, I'm assuming they're just saying it's like it, but it is not a damage flip. Yeah. Because no damage is being dealt. I think they just need to do a clarification. Yeah, because I, I, I could see that either way. If they're yeah, if they're saying it's not damage, so don't do damage, but mm-hmm. mechanically it's still a damage flip, uh, hard to win would apply. If it's right. something different, it wouldn't. But yeah, yeah, that's that's one of those little little spots they could tighten it up. Definitely, uh, and and I think we can all assume that rules as intended. There's no way hard to win should affect this. Right. And an important thing to note, I believe this is still in effect, that if you take the disengage action, you cannot take an interact action that turn. Is that still in effect? If you activate engage, you cannot take an interact. So there's no Um, pushing out. Unless you have don't mind me um, on the model. Yep. Which I think is good. It's, it's probably more powerful, even more powerful now. Yeah. Another point is that uh, you, you can push, you can disengage and then charge. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which uh, is another plus in the charge being more powerful, I think. Broman, pick one that's still left on the list. Uh, honestly, my favorite by far thing that they've done is they have a very clarified, very detailed timing chart in here. It is one solid page and it breaks down pretty much every interaction in the game you can think of so there's no more questions of well these happen at the same time or you know this says it should happen here but it says straight up in this rule or in this trigger of it actually happens at another time which is different than when the rule book says triggers should happen they've ironed all that out and that i'm sure there's one or two instances here or there but that's what the beta's for i have literally been able to look at that chart every game and then like ah this is working perfectly all right let's uh let's go over the new conditions real quick i know it was in the waldo weekly thing so let's make it fast conditions uh-huh. have been boiled down to about a dozen or so ones that you need to memorize and then everything else has been moved into a marker type situation you got your typical fast slow adversary is now a general condition <clears throat> there's something new called Shielded, which sort of works like Arcane Shield, but it's uh, it's an end-of-phase thing and just reduces damage by one down to zero, one of the few ways that can go down to zero, and then it ticks down. Burning's still there, Poison's still there, although they work differently. Poison still ticks yeah. down normally, but every multiple of three past Poison 1 you get, you take an additional damage. So at poison four, you're taking two damage. At poison seven, you're taking three. And that sort of damage also applies to burning, but burning doesn't go away whatsoever. It just sticks. An important thing with focused now, focused can carry over between activations. So let's say turn one, I double focus with a model. 
top of turn two, focus stays on that model. And focus um, can be used on an offensive duel, so if I'm attacking you, I can burn one focus to gain a positive to attack and damage, or on a defensive flip, or really any duel. So focus is now also defensive, because defensive is no longer in the game. Oh, I didn't realize it could be done defensively. Yes. Uh, <laughs> very cool. Focus uh, plus X before flipping in, in an opposed duel. This model may lower the value of this condition by one to gain a positive to the duel. That's fantastic. That makes yeah. me... And it persists through the end phase. Trade-off being you can't, like, dump a bunch of it at once. It has to be used one at a time. Right. So if you have, you know, if you're... You have three actions, then ideally it's... Or... You stack it and then on a tar pit model and throw it into the, the center, and then it's defensive, quote unquote. Yeah, but no more thunders going. Well, I know I'm hitting you at a, a double positive or a double negative, right. but I have focus seventeen, so I'm going to be hitting you at a mm. double positive. Right. I'm so going to miss that. Uh, other conditions: <laughs> distracted. Uh, it's also a uh, numerical one, but the model gains a negative flip to an opposed duel against a model it targets. And then that also ticks down. Injured, yet another numeric one. Basically just remove the number off of their dual total for any dual, looks like. And it sticks around until that model activates. So if you can get a bunch on a model, uh, they're basically screwed until they can activate. Yep. Staggered has gone through several revisions. It used to be, in my opinion, horrifically broken. But now it's just a flat minus two to movement. So your walk is shorter, your charge is shorter, and... Um, Condition ends as the, after the model activates, I mean, at the end of the model activation. Then Stunned, which removes trigger declaration and bonus actions, which can be brutal yes. for certain models. Mm -hmm. Alongside this, at least partially, is the new Assist action, which lets you remove Distracted, Burning, or Injured mm. from a friendly model with a 1-2-3 flip. And that's the reason burning doesn't tick down, but poison does. Yeah. Yes. Okay, I, I could probably explain that better. You go up to someone, you take the assist action, and you remove that number that you just flipped, one, two, or three, depending on the card, from that total. So if they're injured five, and you go and you flip a moderate card, they're now injured three, because you removed two. Yeah, that's also definitely a good way to keep injured and distracted from being, basically rendering a model completely useless or completely dead. Friendly Fire, did we cover this already? Uh, no. Okay. Friendly Fire, no longer get to. I say get to because I really enjoyed shooting into engagement in M2E. Yes. But instead it's just a flat negative flip to the duel, easily avoided by certain crews, not naming names. This is, I guess it's not really a general rule change, it's more of a card change, but dear god, make sure and check your opponent's cards if you're new to M3E because blasts happen on weak damage now. It's only one damage, however, lots of times blasts will also put other stuff on you. Mm -hmm. So, I think that's most of the general rule changes. Do you have anything else to add, guys? Uh, one other thing, mentioning blasts, uh, the they changed it to where if you fire on a friendly, yes. any damage done to them will not include blasts. So you can't oh, target cool. your own guy anymore and just be like, I'm going to cheat this down to nothing and blast huge damage on you. Oh, uh, Rip Sonia. Uh, and another <laughs> ki kind of important one they clarified, auras do not stack. 
So you don't have your woe Pandora. You have three models around you that all have the same aura that deals damage when you fail a willpower duel. You fail a willpower duel, you take one damage from those defensive auras. So you don't take a ton of damage. It's less oppressive, um, which I think is important. Cool. I, I did not know oh, that, or I don't oh, remember it. One of the two. Oh, it's a mechanic. Uh, shockwave has been added. Oh yeah, oh, that's yeah. We really important. That, we? Yes, mm-hmm. shock. Can I can I do it since my models do shockwave and it's really cool? I have a model that does shockwave too. Okay, you do it, Doug. You do it. Yeah, Yo, you're the you're excited. I'll let you have uh, it. Okay, so shockwaves are basically like grenades that exactly. um, sometimes ignore line of sight. You just get to like do it. And they're really cool because there's just a target number. You, It's not resisted by your opponent until after the attack goes off. So I, let's say one of my Frycore models does a clockwork grenade, and I just have to hit like a 7 to do it. I place a scheme marker, 30 millimeter marker, shockwave marker, within range, and then all enemy models, or all models I should say, within the pulse 2 of... Well, it's, it's listed, but a pulse of some inches around that marker have to take either a defensive duel, a movement duel, some type of duel, and if they fail, they take damage or gain a condition or whatever. But it's a really good way to get around cover or defensive abilities or things like that, yeah, it's, and it's awesome. It's a really big fuck you to anyone's like, okay, I'm in cover, I'm concealed, I'm engaged, I'm also terrifying, and... Yes. Oh, oh, every... Oh. Th- this just ignores literally all of that. Okay, thanks. Yes. Uh, that also brings up Terrifying, which we haven't talked about yet. Yep. I mean, go go ahead. We're not... We're not terrifying terribly... doesn't... Uh, you don't get Terrifying immunity. Each attack you do against a Terrifying model, if you, you have to pass the duel each time, the Terrifying check, if you fail the check, you don't lose your activation. There, there's no longer Paralyze. You simply lose the action. There's no Paralyze. No Paralyze. But Terrifying not going away is a great way to eat up card draw. So I think Ruthless models are going to become super important as the game plays out. That's my hot take of M3 current. If any of you listeners out there wondering why my wife is being so quiet, it's because she is not feeling well and has taken her leave. Okay. Now we're going to skip around rules and talk about... This is public information, but it's something I was going to do a podcast on at some point. So here we go. We're going to at least try to explain every single faction change and every single crew change in the game. With caveat of, I picked out the ones that I thought were... Ones that weren't terribly obvious, and I probably missed one or two, so I apologize uh, starting Mm -hmm. off. But uh, this is the yeah this is the fluff wheelhouse, and so uh, here we go. First off, we have the Arcanists because they list these by faction, alphabetical order. So I apologize. It's not just because they're the best faction, but whoa. they start with A. I mean, we are, but okay. Whoa, 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 whoa! What is this bullshit that's going on? Okay, Arcanists uh, is clearly not the best faction. First up is the Oxfordian mages. They've jumped ship from Ironsides, those bastards, and have taken up residence with Sandeep. It's, I mean, he's the he's the the wizard guy. So, and they're they're ninja wizards. So it makes sense they'd be, they'd go with him. Sort of a more fluffier reason is that Ironsides is now the face of the MNSU, and 
the Oxfordian mages, uh, just by the fact of the, their magical style are illegal and technically criminals, they fit more along the Arcanist side of things. So um, it seems like a decent reason th- for them to part ways with her. But I'll miss them. And the only thing I can think of that'll make me feel better is that this probably means that she's going to get a new box. Hopefully. Yes. Ironside's in a business suit. Sleeves optional, please. Weird, That would be amazing. That'd be pretty great. Yeah, I guess there's there's nothing technically wrong with Ironside still taking them, but they definitely don't synergize her almost at all right. anymore. And uh, non-keyworded models, so a uh, model that doesn't share the keyword of your master is plus one soul stone. So oh yeah, let's let's go over that real quick. So yeah, so anything you can hire anything in your faction still, but it costs plus one soul stone if it doesn't share a keyword with your leader. Leader. Because you can elect, like before, you can elect a henchman as your leader. And I'm still not entirely sure why you would do that, but you can. Um, so things that share keyword... Reason, one reason you would is all of the Crossroads 7 now are henchmen, so that's how you get the band into any faction. Oh, cool. And then hiring outside a faction, if they share a keyword with your leader, then you can hire them regardless of what faction they're in. So yes. we've completely done away with mercenaries, which I I don't like. But we'll get to the whining part later. So if you're Hoffman, then you can bring in all the nice, cool armor to guild constructs with them over to the Arcanist, which is not kind of a kind of a surprise to some people that don't pay attention to uh, all the stuff we've been talking about M three. Anyways, after all of that, moving on, Joss. Joss no longer has a daddy. And so he's decided to latch himself onto new bald daddy for the Arcanist, Charles Hoffman, who, hey, sort of spoilers, he's a new cross-faction master. Esther, I am talking! Since Ramos is now in the dead man's handbox because he's been arrested by the guild and he's sitting in prison, Josh is still hanging around instead of, I don't know, joining up with the new leader of the Arcanist or the new leader of the Miners and Steamfitters Union. He decides he likes Hoffman, so he's hanging out with Hoffman now. Yay. Uh, next up is the medical automaton, who also really likes Hoffman, despite the fact that Hoffman doesn't really bring living models very much. Yeah, that is kind of weird. Yeah. I, I would just go, I imagine Hoffman, like, upgraded it or something, therefore it's his now, question mark? Uh, he thought it was the most adorable, so he didn't let anyone else take it. There we go. And the off chance you bring living models are Hoffman and Hoffman's new henchmen in the guild are living. And Howard Langston's living. So it's not completely useless, Joss, yeah. but I just feel it'd be more useful. Yeah, and Joss. Sorry. And Joss. So I, I just feel it'd be more useful in other under other Arcanists, but... Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Willie... I guess uh, several of these, a lot of models that used to have the MNSU keyword no longer do. Uh, one, because technically it doesn't really mean much outside of Ironside's hiring it, because her thing is uh, an ability that just ev- just about everyone in the MNSU has. So Willie goes to the Foundry, the Oxfordian Mages go to the Academics, the Shastar Vidya Guards go to the Academics, a bunch of those people go, go to Academics. Sandeep has a massive hiring pool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's dumb. Uh, I think I counted 15 models. Yeah, it's definitely one of the biggest, if not the right. biggest by itself. Next up, we move to Outcast, which has a new master of Zip. 
This doesn't really surprise me that much because Zip was never a whole ton about Bayou way of life or being a gremlin. He just kind of, he's looking for infamy. And so yep. that kind of makes him a, a man of his own. He's mostly concerned with himself. So him being in the outcast makes kind of perfect sense to me. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, the, take- the, I was going to say, go, going off like the zip idea, the ones that don't make sense, though, <laughs> um, Midnight Stalker and Johan both have the infamous keyword, so they are part of Zip's hi- like dedicated hiring pool, which just seems weird to me. I don't, I don't, I don't get why Midnight Stalker, especially like especially Midnight Stalker, why he would. Uh... I could actually no, like Midnight Stalker's fluff is the fact that he's well, one, he's jealous of Seamus, but two, he just he wants to gain infamy, sure, just, just sure, like sure. Zip does. I don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm also very confused by Johan. That one I can't quite explain outside of just uh, his his whole thing is like he he's he's a miner, but he's outside the protection, quote unquote, of the miners and steamfitters unit. That's why he was an outcast. I kind of figured he'd go with maybe like the Vix or something, but yeah, that, like that, would, that. The Vix already have a pretty large like pool and stuff, but okay. Well, that's that's yeah. one I, I can't quite explain. But, yep. uh, we're, actually, we were talking about gremlins, not outcasts. My bad. Uh, gremlins, Macharoja and the, the... bayou now. They're the bayou. Macharoja and the wrestlers uh, have decided to take up residence in the uh, Zips airship, which will probably disappoint some Wong fans out there. But just because... If you, can, if you consider them heel-type wrestlers, then that also makes perfect sense. Because they're about as cheesy and scene-chewing as, as Zip is. Whereas, the I guess the only reason he really came in Wong's box is because Wong is a big fan of him. But that's about it. They didn't... Sh- sh- in, in the one story they had with him, he never really, like, became a friend or an associate of Wong's. Right. Wong, Wong just helped him, helped him win a wrestling tournament, so... I'm okay with that. Maris goes also along with Zip... So I think she's dual faction, but it's sort of out of left field that she's hanging out, hanging out with them. My only guess is that because she has a jetpack, that's sort of the theme of Zip's crew. So, yeah. uh, any thoughts on that, guys? Yeah, she it's she's she has a jetpack. Zip has a jetpack. I'm sure you know he's infamous. She's like, hey, we could be rising stars together, uh, and her other keyword is uh, Ophelia's because she's a Lacroix. Yep. I'm going to go ahead and ship these two because I can. <laughs> yeah, might as well. <laughs> Another uh, faction change is that all of the, the line of Cillerids, uh, Gap Cillerids and Spawn Mother, all move to Bayou models. They can still be taken with Sarita. That's they. I think, actually, they only have her keyword, except for maybe Beast. But I, I can. This, this makes sense to me because they're creatures that live in the Bayou. Yeah, they're they are definitely more swamp fiend ish uh, from an animalistic point of view than they are that thinking, conniving, never born, higher function brain. From what their fluff says, they're, so it, it makes sense. They're animals, and they're animals that live in the bayou, so they go with the bayou faction. Whereas, like most of the Arcanist models are animals that live in the northern hills, which is mostly. Uh, uh, MNSU uh, Arcanist territory. Mm-hmm. If you if you know your maps of uh, Malifaux at all, 
uh, let's see, Bert Jebson uh, is also going along with with Zip. Zip's get, Zip's just hoovering up a lot of sort of weird gremlin models. So he's um, kind of hoovering up all the all the named people that aren't solidly in another another crew, or they're sharing him most, most of the time. Yeah, he's, he's not Cause, necessarily because Bert them. also has Wong's keyword. That's that, but. Uh, yeah, Mancha. He did. He did take Mancha. Well, Mancha. Yep, Bert's got Wong's keyword because you got to keep up the uh, big trouble in Little China theme. I think just because the way Jack Burton was in that movie, if you considered him to be more of a evil type character, I could see him going. Zip is taking sort of people that really want to be villains or want to be famous. That mm-hmm. seems to be yeah. a, a, a theme of his. So I can see that in Bert. Greasy, however does not have the infamous keyword. She does not have the uh, whiz-bang keyword either. I think she's just Sui and Pig, which confuses me, because I thought they were supposed to be taken together. They are. I believe Bert has an ability that says he can hire in one pig, as if that had shared his keyword. If if he's hired, then the, the leader can hire another, can hire Gracie, or... It, yeah, is, Bert is basically Bert says crews that crews that hire him uh, may hire a pig, uh, as though it shared the leader's keyword. Oh, okay. Well, shows me for missing I, that on his card. Yeah, I believe that's on there. I know there's some way to take it. It's either on him or on her. Like she can be hired into into Bert Cruz or Cruz with Bert in it, okay. uh, as though she was versatile. It's well, one case, or the other. That makes that makes great sense. Uh, moving on, we're going to. The guild who have stolen away my birds. God damn it. I miss my birds. I want them back. I want my birds back to... The, <sighs> Mal- the Malphoraptor has officially gone extinct and only ones in captivity apparently have survived. So raptors are now models in the guild. Screw, and I think, I think they, only, those guys. they only exist in the confines of you have to hire a Ostringer. Can you hire them without an Ostringer, or do you have to hire an Ostringer to have them? No, you can just hire them. The trick is when the Ostringer dies, uh, if it still has the upgrade that they come with that says you get a raptor, uh, then they pop out a new raptor. Like, basically, their their bird goes, ah, oh, you're dead. I'm going to fly away now. Cool. <sighs> I'm not mad. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Oh, jeez. Big morning. Big surprise to no one is no longer in the guild. Hoffman, um, this is something people have been calling or just wanting for a long time. He never really had any negative opinions with the Arcanists before, and uh, depending on how you look at it, Ramos did do him a huge favor. So Uh um, I'm just curious what his involvement with them is going to be, if it's collusion or it's just a case of... Uh, we just sort of had the same views kind of thing. But Hoffman, dual faction Arcanists, rejoice. He's basically the single source of Armor 2 in the faction now. I think there's one or two, but uh, overall across the board, our, uh, Armor has been reduced. Mm-hmm. Razor Spine Rattler. We're in Neverborn now. So even more beasts leaving the Arcanist faction. Uh, he's going to Neverborn instead of Bayou. Because while he does reside in the bayou, he's just that big of an asshole. That's my best guess. It's like there's there is enough sentience and I don't want to say evil, but ill intent towards humans possibly is why he goes over there. Or more a case of since 
Marcus is also joining the Neverborn, although he's still faction. They wanted to give him a few more Neverborn-specific beasts or yeah. to like split yeah, his that, crew that's between more the two. Where I go, go with it, yeah. And I would, yeah. I would think from a fluff perspective, since the reason he's going over to Neverborn is some kind of pact with Titania that we still want to hear about fluff-wise, I would imagine he's just said all of his his snakes should go into her woods for whatever reason, and that's why. Oh I my god. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> All of his snakes should go into a woods. Oh, is that a euphemism right there? Yeah, that's what I was laughing at because I'm immature. I actually don't have Marcus no. on here. Marcus makes a euphemism. Marcus makes a pact. Uh, with Marcus makes a pact with Titania. I don't think we really need to know the specifics about it because Marcus is more or less been all about nature and animals and doesn't really care a whole ton about humans. He's barely an arcanist. And the fact that since all of these natural creatures are technically in in Malifone, therefore sort of never born by default, it makes sense that this fey natural sort of queen of nature is the best way I can explain it. That's that's sort of how Titania Mm -hmm. is. Like the original... Mm -hmm. Titania folklore is, is, is like a forest spirit or, or whatever. Right. So it makes exactly. sense that, like, hey, uh, we kind of see the eye to eye on something, so I'll work with you. This change, is, it makes perfect sense. So Killjoy is abandoning the outcast to go to Neverborn. Um, he is a fae. He is hanging out to Titania. If Titania came back, it's reason to believe that creatures that were around when she was around that maybe left uh, would be coming back to her, so that kind of makes sense, because Kildroy from the beginning, was sort of like this old, ancient, malevolent force that people could try to make a pact with him and use him, which is sort of why he was an outcast, but now that possibly his queen from back way back in the day is now alive, he goes and joins her. At least that, that's how I see it. Yeah, that sounds yeah. about right. Yeah, uh-huh. I, that's been what I either heard or thought as well, yeah. Um, Hayridden has moved back to the Neverborn. You can't really fault the guy for being a necromancer when your leader is an undead person, so... And and in a hole in the ground. Yes. Well, no, what, what I mean is... Titan- I mean, um, Lilith's not undead, at least as far as we, we can tell. She's just mm-hmm. severely hurt. But she oh. she's the one who kicked Hayridden out of the Nephilim because he was performing necromancy. Right, but, and now that she's stuck in okay. Nythera, Nekema is like, yeah, half-breeds and, and necromancers welcome. Yeah, well, I, I think it was more of uh, Titania being undead, that, that it was okay. <laughs> also, I mean, Nekema made these packs with Titania just so that she could overthrow her sister, so she's just holding up her end of the bargain. I don't think she necessarily likes undead, but... Yeah, yeah that makes sense, too. I'm sort of, I'm sorry, I'm kind of sorry, but this is more of the thing that I'm good at, so I'm leaving the discussion here. No, um, you're good, good man, you're good. Means. Primordial Magic is uh, now the totem for, oh man, Euripides, there we go, that's his name. The new the giant new... ice giant master for the Neverborn gets Primordial Magic. Fine, cool. Uh, old Magic sort of seems to be his shtick. Outside of Titania, I would not have been surprised if somehow it became part of Titania's crew, but instead it's just his totem, so hooray. Puke Snake gets a master. 
Hey, everyone, Victoria's back. All right. Iggy, uh, I guess, likes setting fires to anything he can get his hands on enough that Karis can hire him. Hooray. That makes sense. Yes. Um, weirdly enough, his other keyword puts him in Pandora's crew. I can see that. But Pandora was the one who abused him in the orphanage in the first place. Huh. I Stockholm mean, Syndrome? Yes. Abusers, abuse, abuse people frequently go back to their abusers, so I guess it's not that surprising to me. Okay. Yep. Makes sense. I'm okay with that. We, we have a reason. Cool. Better nothing. Makes um, sense. Done with the Neverborn, unless I missed any. Sue, Susan. Best is, model ever. <laughs> is going over... At, well, he was really not a, not associated in the Outcasts in M2E, but now he is a bandit. He will be hanging out with Parker Barrows. Um, he definitely has a look for it. I never really mm-hmm. sort of associated him with um, banditry and crimes, but obviously the songs they choose to represent his powers definitely make him out to be a criminal of sorts. So I guess it's not that big of a surprise. Criminal? He commits crimes. He's a criminal. I see. <laughs> any any opinions there, uh, Brian? Jo- I, I think it makes sense. I'm a little bummed because he's one of my favorite models of time. That he's one of your I'll favorite have- crutches, too. <laughs> that too. That he'll have to have to pay more for him. I also think he's not as good as the M2E version, but that's just... The he's... M2E version was probably one of the, the best especially mercenary packages you could buy. So it, uh, it makes I sense. I mean, that that is also true and I love him very much and I'll be sad to see him go as I am not a Parker Barrows player. Yeah, but... Yeah. He was great as a mercenary, but he was a little broken as an outcast because you could slap return fire on him. What? And, what? and since he's always shooting, regardless if you're engaged or not, and since yes. he's always min three, unless somehow you removed his critical strike. I uh, loved him so much, and it's it. I love him. He's just. He's just the greatest. I'll I, miss him. I'm so glad M3 is coming out. Benny, welcome. <laughs> I'm not going to stick with him too much because he's a brand new character and we don't know much about him outside of him being gross and ugly. He's a bandit for some reason. Yeah, that one was okay. weird. I thought he would be more of... Well, I mean, he's obviously a Hamlin rat plague cancer person, but... Yeah, but why, why, why bandit? I mean, yes. It, it, to reiterate what you said, he does have Hamlin's keyword, but he's also a bandit. Yeah, I. Hmm. Yeah, have... I'm not. I'm not sure what he brings to Parker's crew. The ability to make rats, but a little bit. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I I don't know Parker. I don't know Parker's crew well enough. Like, I mean, I've looked at the cards, but nothing like that's like super. Oh, this is awesome! Like, I'd yeah. still rather take Mad Dog, but that's. Mean. Why not take both? He does have the uh, life of crime ability. Is that, a, the, is that a Parker thing? That sounds right to me. Okay. Well, hopefully we'll get some fluff to iron that out. Oh yeah, the the hodgepodge of outcasts that isn't Zip, the Vix, get a whole slew of things. Hooray! Yeah. Um, not Johan, even though I'm, I'm pretty sure. Okay, Bishop is obviously hers because or theirs. Because he was in the original Vix box from first edition. Mm-hmm. I think Johan was also in that box. 
Do oh, we... really? I didn't know that. But do we need two hammers on one crew? Uh, yes. We need all the hammers. <laughs> all of them. Oh, maybe maybe that is why. Just just so that they don't they have... They don't want, want two relic hammers in the same box. Like, that would make sense. I mean, you can still hire them in for that plus one stone. But... Yeah. Alpha, first edition, Victoria's, that is, is... Oh, maybe I need to spell it with a K. That would help. It would help if you spelled it right, yeah. Oh, here's the box anyways. Ah. Yo, yep, Johan. Johan, back when he lifted. <laughs> <laughs> He's got that like, Johan is ripped. Ridiculous six-pack. <laughs> okay, they get Bishop. They get Big Jake, sort of... He just sort of fits, although I can't explain why. Like, I, I think it's more of, like, a, he doesn't fit anywhere else. And he's not good enough to be a versatile model, is kind of how I see it. Yep. He sort of fits the same brain space as Bishop in my head, even though they have completely different roles. So mm-hmm. it just, just never really surprised me. Barbaros is a nice little bit of fluff for those that have been reading stuff. Um, mm-hmm. He leaves the Neverborn because his master's in a hole in the ground, and he's probably wanted for Nephilim crimes or something. Well, he's probably oh. been, like, outlawed by uh, what's, Nekima. What's a, what's a stunted Crime. armor Crimes murder purple man to yeah. do? Um, so he goes outcasts because probably not accepted by normal human society. And the outcasts don't, don't care too much. I mean, they've got Zip. Yeah. But the reason he's in this crew, and also a good reason why he's in the outcasts, is because in the fluff, he was incarcerated in the fighting pits... In Malfo City, fighting, you know, gladiatorial-style combat, and was a rival-slash-sort-of-respected co-worker of Bishop. I didn't know that! Yep, and they they both escaped at the same time, so there's a relationship there. Cool! Yeah. Headcanon accepted of Bishop Barbaros as Han and Chewie of the Malfo world. Yes! Oh my goodness, I would love to read that. Okay, so there's the, that nice uh, little bit of uh, fluff knowledge. Jack Daw is going to uh. Rezzers, and Terra is no longer Rezzers. Makes a lot more sense. Uh-huh. Terra never really fit in Rezzers. She doesn't even have like undead models, really, in her crew. Um, whereas Jack Daw, he's... He's undead himself and more of a malevolent force causing evil, whereas Terra just is a mercenary. She gets paid. She happens to be associated with a, with a tyrant. Oh, whatever. So this makes sense. Victoria's not happy because she re-elects Terra, and now she has to play outcasts. Whoa, what's wrong with outcasts? I just, I'd never expected to play two factions. Ah, uh, I see. Even though you have Vix? Even though I have Vix. You know the reason why I have Vix. Sailor Moon. No, yeah, like, but at least now that means law, you have two two outcast masters. Technically, we have three. Because my... Because... Oh, right. Yeah. My Doug has Von Shell. Yeah. My, my nice well, there you go. You're, you're all set to play outcasts. And I want to paint Zip. I really want to paint Zip. Moving on to Resurrectionists, uh, since we're talking about Jack Dawn. This one was like a lot of small changes, because since Rezzers have so many had... Had... So many summon masters. I guess we never went over summoning. Summoning's been fixed. Hallelujah. Um, it it probably is, can have some small changes, but... What does that mean? Um, a lot of summoning masters are no longer summoning masters, and summoning 
gains gives benefits to the opposing player, and it's usually limited to one model a turn. Yeah, gives they reined they reined it in drastically, which is good. If you don't have a pass token, when you summon a model, your opponent gets a pass token. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think I think they fixed a lot of the problems. Uh, yeah. Now, 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 since a lot of models have to be hired and aren't expected to be summoned in, I'm kind of curious about how balanced they are because I feel they were balanced around being summoned models mm-hmm. instead of hired models. And the one Resurrectionist game I played as uh, Seamus, it did not go well. It did oh, not shit. go well at all. Um, yeah. So um, a lot of stuff kind of went into... A lot of stuff scattered, especially since Nico's now gone. So most things kind of fit into Masters, even though they didn't necessarily were a part of that Masters box. Uh, McMorning gets a lot of stuff. McMorning gets a little gasser, if you're curious. Mm. Uh, Kenneroy. A lot of those, like, Frankenstein-y... Yeah, that makes makes sense. Anything with, like, a lot of stitches on it that isn't Archie goes into McMorning's. Makes sense. One that doesn't make sense, Rafkin's an academic... What? I mean, if you're gonna poison people, I guess you gotta you gotta do your studies. But yeah, you gotta know how to do it. <laughs> I, I guess. And Rafkin's coming from McMorning's crew, and McMorning knows Marcus, so you know maybe it's a student exchange program. But Marcus <laughs> is not academic. Sandeep has nothing to do with them. Mm. Mm. Yeah, but Marcus was a professor. Was. But... Eh. What's now up? he's a professor of of life. That's what they call it these days, huh? He's a, he's a professor <laughs> yep. of murder. What's yeah, up? yeah, that's that's ending life. Uh, student exchange program, sure. I didn't include any of the new models on this list because I figured I'd keep them relatively still a surprise for people. Um, Rogue Necromancy, still, uh, still a mid-morning project, but now it's forgotten, so it's going under Molly. Molly picked up quite a few. Uh, she picked up the Punk Zombies, which are now renamed to, like, Miss Zombie Misfits. Uh, yeah, that the... or Zombie Swordsman, one of the two. Uh, it was Swordsman when they like changed that. it to Misfits. Swordsman's what it's called in Through the Breach. Fun fact. Okay. She got the Forgotten Marshal, probably because he has Forgotten in his name. Yeah, makes sense. That's my best guess. So she, like, for those of you that never quite understood Molly's theme, is she's basically picking up undead that have been abandoned by their creators, for the most part. It's so sweet. Yeah. Mourners, for some reason, are hanging out with Molly, not just... Not Seamus? Not sh- No, both. Okay. Some of these is just, like, I don't know why they got the forgotten keyword, really, but it makes perfect sense that the Red Chapel. Uh, Seamus also got Bet Noir. I, I never would have thought Bet Noir would go with Seamus. Again, I think it's one of those, like, she, she fits, like, the most with him, even though she doesn't really fit, like she would, I don't know who else she would fit with. He's the most like psycho killy of everyone, you know. So I guess he, she goes there. I, I, yeah, I, I guess I the know. only other place I could see her would maybe be with. Uh, oh, I'm blanking on the name now. I Reva? could see her with Kirai. I do yeah, not Kirai. See her with her. Uh, oh, kind of that would make sense. About but no, I, I agree. I think thematic wise, when I when I think uh, you know blood in dark alleys. I think Seamus, and that's what Bet does. Yeah. Okay, Makes cool. Sense. Well, uh, default to you guys. Yeah. Yanlo's stuff got weird. It's really good, though. It's cool. It's very cool mechanic as well. 
Well, I'm not even talking about the mechanic. I'm talking about, for some reason, Tashiro the Daimyo, probably the most, like, sentient and normal of the group of ancestors, is no longer Ten Thunders. Mm-hmm. He's just Resurrectionist. Yen the Penangling is just Resurrectionist too, and Azamu the Armor has abandoned this faction for some reason. I, I can't... I don't know why they're they're splitting up outside of, like... Uh-huh. We're just trying to do do the Marcus thing where they're trying to get a few models for dual faction masters in both factions. I think part of that is there's only masters or dual faction now. There are no more dual faction yeah. less than master things. Um, right. My thought on Toshiro coming over is I would imagine the Ten Thunders have more uh, high-statted minions, and he still buffs minions, so they're trying to prevent that from being breakable. Okay, so it's strictly mechanic. I, I wish there was a better fluff reasoning. Maybe he had a falling out with Misaki. Uh, Ooh, that would pro- make sense, too. She did kind of kill her dad. Oh, much dis- well, well, it, it was. I thought it was, he, supported, he supported that, though. Yeah, that, that's true. He was on her no. side. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Don't listen to me on that. Okay. I mean, you can be on someone's side and disagree with something they did. Also true. Well, uh, I think really, I'm just, I liked Azamu, and Victoria really liked Azamu, and it kind of sucks that she's not going to be able to play it unless she brings the end line. Yeah. It's a cool model. Asura's one I couldn't really pin down, but now she's with Reva, which actually. Which makes sense. It actually does make sense now, because Reva's all about, like, harmony between the living and the dead, and Azura is from Through the Breach. And she's she famous. She's famous because she basically runs a town in the quarantine zone with where um, her zombies roam freely, and people just are okay with it. At perfect peace. <laughs> <laughs> well, depends on what happens in that. Uh, True. Depends on what you have Perfect pieces. Uh, Grave spirit is no longer a totem, I think, and it changed its name to something. But it's hanging out with Riva as well. Anna Lovelace is going to be hanging out with... Why am I blanking on his name? Von Stuck. Von Stuck. Yeah. Which New makes, guy. makes sense. Which makes a lot of sense. Not that hard to believe. Graves and Tannen left the Neverborn to go with Jacob Lynch. I'm kind of surprised by this because I always thought they were the people that were kind of enforcing the Neverborn's will onto Jacob Lynch. But they're also, like, really keyed in on his theme, so... I do think people took them more into Ten Thunders than they did Neverborn, though, so... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's pretty much what we have for (laughs) models changing uh, teams. I mean, changing crews and changing factions. Let's quickly go down the list of names that have been added or changed. And then once I'm done reading the list off... You guys can point out any ones that seem interesting or that you want to you wanna, uh, think are great. But I'll just do this real quick. Just about every model has gained either a first name or a last name. Some of them, I don't think they should have gotten that name change, but that's just my opinion. And there's still a few, especially if their name is basically a title, will still retain that title as their name. Like, Lady Justice is still Lady Justice. It's not Susan Justice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Oh, Susan Justice would be great. <laughs> Captain, be Captain still Captain. But here are the changes. Um, alphabetical order by faction. Kudra has the last name of Hallward. 
Uh, Acharya? Acharya? Kudra is probably Indian, and I don't know how uh, you pronounce Indian names. But A-C-H-A-R-Y-A. Josh? Joss? Got the last name of Tatanka, which is possibly the most stereotypical (laughs) Native American name I can think of. But at least he has a name now, and not... uh, Injun Joss. And not Injun Joss. So, the man's evolving. Uh, Marcus got the last name of Lavon or Lavon. I don't know if that's a traditional Egyptian name or not. Willie got the last name of Brant. The real golem became the metal golem, said. But, however, spoilers for the card, he does finally have an action called Pain Train, which I believe I asked Weird to do. So thank you, Weird, for that. Fitzsimmons from the Backdraft Box got the first name of Joshua. Uh, Cassandra is Cassandra Felton. Angelica is Angelica Durand. Performers are now showgirls because performer is the keyword now. The large arachnid, thank God, has become a dad joke, kind of, of mech arachnid. Yes. Amen. Over to... I I need to get some and paint them as Gundams. (laughs) (laughs) Do it. Over to Bayou, we have Harland McTavish. Oh, I hate it so much. Harland? (laughs) That's yeah. that's a name. Isn't that like... Yeah, that's the guy's name from uh, Rescuers Down Under or something, isn't it? Is it? Is it? Huh. It might be. I always thought that was like uh, Colonel Sanders. Yeah, that's his first name, Harlan Sanders. So now we need yeah. a McTavish that looks like Colonel Sanders. Clearly. A lot of single name gremlins got their clan name. And this was explained somewhere, but just to let you know, basically, families... Gremlins are kind of born and then just sort of abandoned and they're raised by their clan, not necessarily their parents. So that's why uh, we have so many models with the same last name is because it's it's a large group of them, not just... Pairs. Yes. Irish, Catholic, rabbits. Oh, excuse me? <laughs> Pumping out billions of gremlins. So um, Fingers is from the Leong clan, which is the same as uh, Brewmaster. Sparks is Le, uh, LeBlanc. Sparks also is I didn't put them in the uh, put them in the crew switch one, but Sparks is now hanging out with oh, uh, Trixie. Um, he's with Ma, Ma Tucket. Yeah, he's with Ma. And that I can explain that is because Ma is currently living in the Hollow Point pumping station, so she's around a lot of like mechanical models. In fact, you can take Soulstone miners from the Arcanist faction. So she probably needs a mechanic to help her out with that. So therefore, that's what Sparks is doing. The lovely assistant is now Olivia Bernard. Hooray, she has a name. Dr. Grimwell is Stanley Grimwell. We're in Guild now. Nurse Hartsbane is Emily Hartsbane. <sighs> Francis Quig. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's Franc- the name. Francis. Francis. Guild representative. What was he called before? The, uh... It's the totem, Governor's no one totem. Proxy. Governor's Proxy is now Guild Representative. Guild Guard are now Guild Patrol. Malv Raptors are now Trained Raptors. And... Fuck them. Um, Black Blood Shaman is just now... Is just now Maurice. His name is Maurice. We're never born. Um, oh. I think I might actually prefer Black Blood Shaman, but... <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh, it sounds cool. No, it doesn't. Or Black, Black, Blood, Black, Black Blood Shaman does sound cool. Maurice yeah, does. Yeah, I mean, like, Maurice I like not. Maurice... I like Maurice as a name, but, like, not like this. Actually, if he was, like, a, a horrific beat stick, 
uh, I would find it awesome because that's why one of the reasons I really liked Howard Langston is because, oh, he's just a guy named Howard Langston. And no, he's a murderous, love-and-limbed mecha spider that will destroy you. So everyone's going around like, oh my god, I hope he doesn't bring Howard Langston. It's hilarious. So I, I have not looked at his card. I don't know how good he is. Probably better than what he was in M2E because no one took him. All the Autumn Knights, and this is probably going to make some people upset, are now just Autumn Knights. They no longer have specific names. Their cards weren't terribly different to begin with, so I'm okay with that. Terratots. <sighs> this makes me mad. Terratots are now just called Juvenile Nephilim. Boo. It makes sense in the naming scheme, but Terratots. Yeah. Leviticus is a first name. It's Eleazar. That's a mouthful. I'm going to be enjoying... Some of these I'm going to be super enjoying listening to other podcasters mispronounce. Uh, and definitely call me out if I mispronounce any of these. I would like to have, I would definitely like to have them right, but I'm pretty sure that's Eleazar. Yeah. Yeah. The strong arm suit is... Uh, Arik Schittmer. The best way I can pronounce that. I think that O-E is supposed to be an O with a name loud. Schottmeyer? Schottmeyer? S- sometimes Schottmeyer? Sometimes when German immigrants came to America with umlauts of their names, they would do something like this where it would put an E at the end of the O. So that, yeah. that's my guess. That's my best attempt. Uh, since he's with the Freikorps, I'm going to bank on his name being German. So It looks German. He's, he's basically the new strongarm suit, and he's nowhere near as good, and it makes me sad. Inside. Well, he is the strongarm suit. Yeah, and it makes me sad because he's not as good. I'm sorry. But they they always explain that there was only one, so might right, as well right, give, right. Him, give the guy his name. The specialist is now a Drache Trooper, which is Drache Dragon in German? I think, I think so. It, Internet. Yeah. Yep, yeah, Dragon. Dragon. Ha ha. Yep. Lucky guess. Which, you know, Flamethrower makes sense. The... Frycor Scout used to be the Frycor the trapper. trapper. But he was never really like a trapper type person. He didn't have In like... the fluff, like the, the very first story where they introduced the Frycor, the like the the trapper they like follow around talks about like like be growing up with his dad being a trapper in like Ukraine or something. Okay. Yeah. So. But like the stuff that they had him doing was more scouting roles, not necessarily. Yeah, exactly. Roles cool with that. Johan got the last name of Creedy. Taylor got the last name of Sarsfield. Bishop got the last name of Hughes. Karina, and I have two pronunciations for this. If you pronounce, and it really depends, because I think one is more of a Polish type name, and one is more of a, of a Russian type name, but I could be wrong. It's uh, O-S-T-R-O-W-S-K-I. If you pronounce the W as a V, it would be Ostrovsky, which sounds a lot more Russian. And Ostrowski sounds very Polish. So I don't know what the proper pronunciation is on that. Someone please help me. We'll go with Ostrowski because there's there's never you know any what? Polish representation in miniature games. <laughs> um, Hans got the last name of... Onstern? Onstern. Sebastian has the last name of Lugosi. <laughs> Which has to be a reference to Bela Lugosi, because yes. yeah, he's a, nice a resurrectionist. I, I accept nothing else. Rafkin is now Thomas Rafkin, and here's the one I hate. The one I absolutely yeah. hate. Seamus is now Seamus O'Day, 
And while I like the sort of juxtaposition of a very cheerful sounding last name, Seamus deserves to be a single name model because he is yeah. the most infamous of serial killers. And people only ever referred to him as, as Seamus or the, or the Mad Hatter when they didn't know his name. So I think it's just a lot more intimidating and it fits him a lot more, but that's my opinion. I know I said I didn't get I'm through in- these before we gave our opinions, but... We knew that was a lie. This is yeah. me. I yeah. lie. I lie all the time. Yeah, uh, no. Seamus definitely didn't need a last name. The thing about O'Day, though, it was a body that was kind of... The last name of O'Day comes from a woman who was murdered, and her body went around as a sideshow attraction. Huh. So that's kind of an interesting thing, but not worth giving Seamus a last name, I guess. Oh, Restless Spirit. Okay, Graveyard Spirit's name changed to Wrestler. Restless Spirit. I think maybe to avoid confusion between to avoid confusion between it and the Grave Spirit, we now have Restless Spirit. Cool. Uh, Lost Love finally gets a full name of Francis Kitchener, which technically we all should have already known if we were paying attention to the fluff. We figured mm-hmm. we figured out Kitchener's name as the Governor General. We knew before that that his son was dating Kirai and his name was Francis. So put two and two together, Francis Kitchener. Too many Francis's. Too too I many mean, Francis's. Not enough Francis's. I mean, at least his dad didn't name him Herbert Kitchener the oh, second. <laughs> that, that would be an awful name. Um, Manos got the last name of Panagakos. <laughs> Which is just a delight to say. I'm, I'm probably also pronouncing that wrong a little bit. I don't think he really needed a last name, but it makes me laugh, so I'm okay with it. Toshiro, Yin, and Azamo all got the last... Uh, got, I don't want to say last name, because I'm, I'm pretty certain at this point it's a clan name of Katanaka. Because there are yeah. way too many Katanakas now for it to be just an I actual mean, family family. Asians. Yeah. And in a time Racist! Where, and in a time where daimyos had concubines oh okay he probably has a whole passel of like 50 kids harem but anyway uh anyways uh oiron are now kunoichi which i think is the term for female ninja yep hooray chiaki also got katanaka i didn't say that which is still super weird because yanlo is very much a chinese name i don't eh. Maybe maybe it's just she everyone's took her mom's name. Possibly. Um, wastrels are now ruffians. I'm okay with this because most people don't know what a wastrel is. Yeah. So making it easier for people. Peasants are now aspiring students. And why am I forgetting its name? It's called the forgeling forgeling now, but it used Emberling. to be Emberling. Emberling, yeah. Just, just I guess maybe to double down on the fact that um, Mayfang is all about fire and metal. Maybe uh, as best that's okay. Opinions on the name change, the name additions, I guess, and changes. Emberling was better. Uh, Victoria, I don't, back, I don't dislike Forgeling, but Emberling was better. Uh, any serious thoughts on some of these names? Um, I already gave my opinion on Seamus. I liked the punk zombies, so I'm kind of sad to see that go away because now my paint scheme doesn't match. But well, punks kind of are misfits, aren't they? I mean, I guess. And the Misfits was a punk band, so I guess it works anyway. It makes perfect sense now. Sebastian's last name being Lugosi makes me very happy. Brian? Uh, Stanley Grimwell. Something about that makes me super happy. 
I don't know why, but Stanley is just a great name for this, like, crazy mad doctor who's, you know, sadistic and evil. I think he's a psychiatrist more than a... Well, it's, it's titled mean, still Doctor, still. but... What about you, Rona? Damn. What I said about the Forgeling, other than that, most of these make sense. You know, not all of them are needed. I agree with Seamus. Like, they could have, if they really wanted it, they could give him Seamus the Mad Hatter as, like, a title. Ooh. Something like that. But, and I didn't know that about O'Day, so that was that was a cool bit of trivia from Victoria. But, uh, yeah, he didn't need it. Other than that, most of these are, you know, they, they add a little flavor. Um, I imagine especially for Through the Breach, like, being able to say, ah, yes, these are last names. Makes a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mostly. Eh. Okay. Um, One thing I didn't go over bef- as well is I didn't go over the ones where we knew their name, but now the cards have the full name on it. Like, Karis uh, is Anasalia Karis, uh, Von Schill is Leopold Von Schill, that sort of thing. So I, I like that on a flow perspective because everyone, everyone feels more like people now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've already, I agree there. <laughs> I've already given my opinion on uh on stuff so i I don't think i would need to really reiterate anything still sad to see seamus get a last name oh you know what i bet also it's zombie misfits to kind of give that forgotten or abandoned feel that comes with Mm -hmm. because they're now part of molly's crew Uh, that makes sense yeah uh before we move on i want to agree with you about the terror tots oh yeah This adorable bastard. They're less cute. They're less cute now. Yeah. And it, the, now that they're not Teratots. Uh, it's okay. Everyone's going to call them Teratots anyways. They better. Okay. Now we're finally getting to like the opinionated stuff. We can talk about games we played mm. and thoughts we've had. We already kind of went over initial thoughts. So I've got four categories here titled shit we like, shit we don't like or think needs ironed out, shit we'll miss, or shit we'll be happy to leave behind. So... Brian, what's some shit you like about um, the third edition? I like the summoning changes. Summoning definitely doesn't feel like oppressive and awful and terrible. And the game as a whole, it just it feels like it it's it just works. So like I like overall, I think it just it feels really good. Nothing, nothing in particular. Or we'll get to that later. Oh, well, this was specifically. Yeah, get um, as specific as you want. I like the focus on thematic crew, seeing as like I in M2E I played in the beginning a lot of thematic Von Shiel, which wasn't very competitive early on, but I really liked the theme, so now I can kind of be rewarded for focusing on a themed idea, and it works pretty well. That's my biggest, like, woohoo. Cool. Roman? Uh, I agree with everything that Brian just said uh, on a more small scale. I am glad that Karis is insanely fun to play and good. I'm really hoping we can get Marcus to a, a similar point. He needs a little help at the moment, I think. But in general, I agree the, the game feels good. There's a couple points uh, here and there that need tweaks or rewordings, but overall, it's it's good. From a fluff perspective, I like that the things that are changing mechanically are showing that the story is moving forward. Uh, I wish they had a better way of doing that than just cutting off whole masters and making them dead man's hand. But everything else, I like like the Barbaros change going back over to Outcast because you know he's not in Nekama's good graces, for example. Yeah. 
Um, do you do you have any opinions, Victoria? I know you've only seen me um, play one game, I think. Yeah, I've seen you do one. You've heard me bitch about stuff, though, a lot. Yeah. I'm really excited for the themed play, like Brian is. I mean, I already pretty much only play Seamus' themed crew because I have a problem. But I'm excited that that's actually a thing going forward. I don't know. Seamus' back alley is a lot more cleaned up. Is it? Yes. Mm-hmm. Cool. You don't have to worry about like a millimeter of his base poking out and your opponent being able to see. He just has oh, to be fantastic. near terrain for him to teleport. Perfect. Beautiful. And even while he's engaged, it can be really abusive, but it didn't work out for me a whole ton because a lot of his like key themed stuff that makes him good requires decent cards. They're all like casts. So the the teleporter thing requires like a the back alley requires like a seven. And he has another one where uh, him and everyone around him, his thing is like his models can basically pass by giving themselves not distracted. What's the what's staggered? The, staggered. Which lowers your walk, but then he has a pulse that lets models add staggered to their AVs, which it makes his shooting used to make his shooting uh, broken because I think we spitballed out at one point um, the staggered thing was too big. Well, I will talk about that later, but he could get up to like a shoot seventeen. Yeah. Which was which was laughable, but uh, he can he's still deleting stuff. It feels a little card intensive for me, but I've taken up your talk about stuff you like. Theme theme's great. Theme's good. Doug likes theme. Uh, I like that malls are going to be slightly less slapdash. Although things were pretty well, we you still had themes for the most part in M two E, but now there's more encouragement to do it. Um, I like the new scoring mechanic. I like how um, gaining more points for your strategy and your schemes are harder to do the higher the point value is. So getting one point for your scheme is easy. Getting two points for your scheme is really hard. Um, The strategy gets more and more difficult as you go up to one, two, three, four points for the strategy. Yeah, and I like that they're willing to change up what's actually playable in the game due to fluff. Uh, I, I prefer that they're willing to kill models, but I'm also glad that they still allow those models to be played if in tournaments, if the tournament organizer says they can do it. But mm-hmm. they go in a specific, this model's dead or out of action pile. I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about more stuff we like, but let's go to things we don't like, because I'm really good at this. Brian, currently, what do you not like about 3rd edition or what you think just really needs some ironing? Some good old ironing. It, I, I think... Cover and shooting still needs some work, just based on how focus works. We didn't talk about it a ton, but there are some masters that let their models take the focus action as a zero, as a bonus. So you potentially can have like minions or more minor models stack a ton of focus, and then if you're doing this with a gunline crew, the two masters that come to mind are, I believe it is Dashiell for Guild and Von Schiel and Outcast, that have like an aura where you take focus as a zero. So you can stack a ton of focus really easily, and then you're like Frycormid or Guild Guardsman or whoever it is, who are like okay at shooting but are not amazing, can really lay the hurt out for like four, five, six stone models. And then... Uh, scoring with the VP and strats, like, I like the difficulty, but I also find it's, the games felt very much like a slog 
with, like, the way to win was wiping out the opponent's crew. Like, I didn't feel like I could win a game that didn't involve me more basically cabling my opponent, which I liked that in M2E, you could very, very likely win a game, even though all of your own models got killed. And I really liked that, that you could play the game and still have your models die and still win. I, li- I like that mechanic, and it doesn't feel like that's really the case. It seems like a slugfest. Roman? Uh, I definitely agree that the game currently not only takes longer in actuality, but definitely feels longer. And I think part of that is because while, yes, like number of wounds has gone down across the board and focus is easier to use because you can hold on to it for longer, essentially what it comes down to is with the damage also being reduced as much as it has been, and you have things like shielding, uh, which can be stacked on top of other things. Overall, I think the defensive nature of the game has gone up, which I don't necessarily think by itself is a bad thing, but I think they could stand to completely get rid of like min damage one across the board, uh, unless it was like irreducible or something. Just because at that point, like I don't see a model ever attacking for one unless it's literally the only thing they can do. And it's just one of those things that'll slow down the game to the point where you don't feel like the models that are in that slugfest are being effective. Uh, and all you're doing is flipping cards and taking up time. I'm kind of okay with min damage one for part of it because while shielded will take that down to zero, you're still removing shielded from the model and you're still doing plank damage if they just have armor. Uh, like, the one problem this is going into is in Corporal's changed. Mm-hmm. I believe it's just, it's just like a, it's a flat arcane shield. Reduced yeah, damage by away. one goes to zero if it's one. So, if you've got min damage one, you are just not going to hurt ghosts. Mm-hmm. Anything else before I, <laughs> before I go? No? Okay. Victoria, anything? I haven't played it, so. Okay. I talked about the... I like how scoring gets more difficult as you try to score. I don't like the max points being reduced to 8. 10 was a nice metric yeah. metric number. It also let you get a better idea of how games were played out because it means the diff was a little bit more. And the, This game, diff, is going to be very small for most games. And mm-hmm. it's not going to reflect much on uh, how things really went. Because I can see... Often, where you like, you could table your opponent on turn three or four and still have a diff of one or two points. It's just, it's, it just feels too small to me. Since I played Brian's Freikor a couple of times, I think shooting's a little, a little too powerful in this game, and it might just because of all the free focused. But uh, word of wise to people trying out M3E, if your opponent has a gun line. By God, make sure you have both cover and concealing on the board, because otherwise you are going to get shredded to pieces. Which is what happened when I tried out Seamus, is I'd had a lot of cover, which would qualify as hard cover in the game, but I didn't have a lot of concealing. So all I was doing was raising up the terrible defense on my undead models to like a mediocre defense, which is laughable considering he has focus on him, on most of his crew, and then he was getting straight flips 
pretty often because sometimes it wasn't in cover, which negated the heart to wound and uh, everything. When I think I had just Seamus and the copycat by turn four. Uh, that sounds right from my recollection. Yeah. The fact that, you know, you can shoot into engagement pretty comfortably now means that people that don't have a lot of shooting have to really, really watch and plot out their movements so that they're getting concealing and or cover, preferably both, as they move up the board. So, uh, I guess another thing I don't like is I feel like there's still hard counters that exist in the game. While you're focused, well, while they're encouraging you to buy stuff, bring stuff in that's a part of your crew, your overall theme has counters to it. Yeah. So, like, you can, there's there's nothing stopping you from buying a bunch of other models outside of your theme to sort of mitigate that. But one, you're paying an extra soul stone for them, whereas your opponent doesn't have to because their theme counters yours. And two, it means that's fewer models that uh, synergize with you, which means you're technically just less effective across the board and and that's one i suppose i i didn't mention this with the worry and maybe we overlooked it in the rules changes but you don't just reveal your crew your your faction and then build your crew you reveal your faction then both players reveal their masters then you build a crew and subsequently reveal the crew so it our worry, and I've talked with a couple people about this, is it's going to become very, very rock, paper, scissors-y early on. Now, it looks like they're going to be, they'll eventually be able in uh, changes to that. They're looking at doing alternative master cards. So instead of master upgrades, there are alternative, like, not sculpt, not oh, physical I'll, sculpts. I'll get them. Which will start mitigating that rock, paper, scissors. But in the, in the early m3e days it might just because you revealed him i okay rock paper scissors done which is worrisome here's my thoughts about the uh the master upgrade thing uh one there's still one in as of looking at it right now there's still a master upgrade in the core rulebook which doesn't exist in the game right now which is kind of funny but they said that so for now or at least their idea is that they're not going to have master specific upgrades but it's likely going to be a case of that they will come out with just brand new cards for Masters, which is great. It's It might actually be easier to balance than Master-specific upgrades. But until that, to me, until that happens, I'm getting, I'm getting really dark here. Until that happens, this doesn't really feel like Malifaux to me. Because <laughs> you could all, because the Master was only part of it, you could bring upgrades that would drastically change how they played or give you some new tools that could possibly be used to combat your opponent. But right now, once you know what your opponent's master is, you know what they're going to do and what they can't do. Yeah, which could make it very oppressive, I think. Now, the second one thing to consider on all that, and I don't think this will completely mitigate it, but I think it'll keep it from being as oppressive as it could be, is without the worry of needing to balance uh master specific upgrades they have done a pretty good job of making all the masters individually more interesting and giving them a little more to do i think there's one or two i think again that could use a little help in that but overall like i don't think any of them are one trick ponies (laughs) i mean of course you could always just hire in another master which we also didn't talk about hey masters Mm -hmm. are hireable that's that's great 
I th- I'm so glad we're going to an open beta because I don't think this has been looked at enough, and I don't think it's been balanced quite yet. Yeah. I think it's doable. Some people mm-hmm. have been very of the opinion that it's never going to work. I think they can do it. It's just this open beta is really going to fix a lot of stuff. Yep. Because um, I know, like in some playtesting, we've tri- I've tried to break the multiple masters thing, and we haven't really been able to get it to break yet. But part of it just still seems really dangerous. Yet I haven't, we haven't been able to do it, and we haven't been able to see people well, part break of the, it yet. Yeah, excuse me. Part of the good thing is that like masters really mostly only buff their own stuff and their own keyword, so they're yeah. usually not affecting each other too much. I think you could possibly break things a little bit with Hoffman because a lot of his stuff is just if it's a construct. Doesn't mm-hmm. say non-master, but that can well, that can be weeded out. So the big one that I've been meaning to try and I haven't gotten around to Jackdaw? is uh, Jackdaw as a support master for Outcast, or Jackdaw with Hannah because both have Arcane Reservoir on them. So I want to try a Von Shield crew with Jackdaw and Hannah. So I have an eight-card hand and a crew that a gunline focus crew, and then Hannah and. Jackdaw tar pitting. Jackdaw has a mechanic where anytime he takes damage, he can turn it into just a one flat damage. And whenever I would draw a card, he heals. So I want to really test that. And I think, at least on paper, it seems like I can see Jackdaw just being auto include at 16 stones in most outcast lists. Because Arcane Reservoir with that hard card cap is so strong. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he's and, just like a good model. And if you can fit one of the hanged in there as well and just throw it up the board whenever they die, yes. you get to add another card. Right. Add uh, another card a, to your max hand size. Yeah, yeah, so there's a mechanic called Demise. If this model dies, it does a thing. Well, Guilty, if it's killed by an enemy model, it just permanently gives you Arcane Reservoir, Plus which nine. again is really powerful. Now, hiring Guilty outside of keyword might get expensive, but then I could see doing a Jack Daw crew where I pay the 11 stones for Anna, have a couple guilty and like, a, even a 7 card hand when everyone else is capped is super strong, and an 8 card, 8 or 9 card hand, I think at least on paper, seems like it could be straight up broken. Now, that being said, I haven't been able to test that out yet. But I'm hoping I can. Yeah, definitely do some testing on that, because the fact that an 8-card hand was a problem was the reason that Arcanists currently have no access to Arcane Reservoir. Right, which is, like, kind of dumb, because they, you know, Arcanist, Arcane Reservoir, it just makes sense they would have it, but... We're the magic guys. We were the magic exactly. guys. Now it's just Sandy. Yes. Oh, terrifying. Yeah, I agree. Terrifying might need a little bit of a tweak, just because it's, it's, permanent, it's permanent manipulative, really, is what it is. Yeah, and manipulative just isn't that good anymore. No, but especially it's it's permanent manipulative manipulative compared um, coupled with the hard hand size means that I feel in this game you're discarding a lot more or, or like mm-hmm. kind of throwing cards away just to do something you want. Yeah, um, which makes Arcane Reservoir even that more powerful. Yeah. And I, I will say, it seems from looking at like across the factions, there's a lot more like crews that their mechanics are all about like forcing your opponent to discard cards. Oh, they can't discard cards; they take damage or things like that. So there's a lot more ways to like manipulate your opponent's hand 
with that said, that just makes card draw and hand limit increases that much stronger. So, again, that rock, paper, scissors idea. Um, so, I don't, I don't know. Hey, we'll Roman, see. you've got Marcus and Ramos on this list. Do you want to talk about them still? Yeah, I, I don't want to get too nitpicky on this because I know they are. They have basically said like what we saw last in the closed beta isn't necessarily going to be exactly what we see when the open beta opens up. They they'll tweak a few things between now and then. Yeah, but I know. So I did a a breakdown of all of the target numbers and needs of required suits that weren't built in and uh, discards versus draws in each theme. And Marcus in Neverborn is the highest in the game on target numbers and discards without any mitigating draws, or without as many mitigating draws. Uh, then it's Zoraida, because she has all of his Swamp Fiends, or all the Swamp Fiends that have something that has a discard. And then it's Arcanist Marcus. And I played him when you could have an 8-card hand in Arcanist, and he still felt like he needed more cards in hand. And at six, it's just like, I have enough cards to do what I need to do, and nothing more. Like, there's no stretch to push an attack through. There's no stretch of, hey, I really need this other thing to go off. He he needs a little help there. Ramos, honestly, I played him. He's very fun. He's more fun than he is in M2E, just because he has more uh, things he can summon than just spiders. The one issue is his summoning upgrade, and most, if not all, summons at this point uh, have an upgrade that get attached to him. But his, I think, is the the most debilitating in the game. It brings down the summon's max health, or it, it, it makes them take half their damage rounded down, irreducible, so armor doesn't help. It makes them, it, it does make them where they do a damage to things around them automatically when they activate, but it also makes them slow like it used to, and it makes them insignificant for the entire game. Uh, and I think just that last part especially, it puts him in danger of essentially, if I'm playing Ramos, I'm just going to try to snipe out everything he hired uh and then yeah he'll kill me by the end of the game with all his exploding spiders but he's not going to make points off of it he has no way to interact uh and i think even just giving him a trigger that says you know spiders summoned this turn don't attach that upgrade it would it would help that a lot cool i actually don't like cheating on initiative i don't like that that's an option because um, it makes having a bad hand even worse. Uh, the uh, Seamus game we had, where it came down to like start of turn two or three. Yeah. Um, I had an awful hand and one twelve, and you are and you drew more than I did. Mm-hmm. I think I even stoned for more, and it still was pretty pretty awful. And then we get around to the flip, and you win the fl- and I don't know if it was a tie or who won, but I ended up like. Okay, I really want to go first, so I cheated in my 12. The only good card in my hand is now gone. And right. you had the 13. You had multiple 13s in your hand. So now I've got four cards that are... Five cards that are garbage. And you have six or seven that are really great. And that just puts me even worse on a back foot. And I don't get to go first. So right. I think the fact that that was just completely up to chance, more or less, uh, felt more fair to me. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, I get that. Uh Real quick, I guess, any anything interesting you had playing games? Something that was fun to, or, like, really awful? It can be, like, old versions of things that um, uh, just kick the crap out of you, or I, you just blended this people from, with. Like, this was from, like, super early. I think this is, might have been closed alpha. 
Mm. when I was when we were so like way back when. But I was playing Parker against an Ophelia Bayou crew, and back then cover gave plus two to defense. So we had a bunch of like height one walls. Well, back then a lot of the Bayou Ophelia models had a zero action that let them push three inches and gain focus. To, and take one damage to do so. So the guy I was playing had like an Ophelia style gun line against Parker, and all of his height one models stood behind walls, would take one damage to push over, because this was before the pushing rules were changed and adjusted, push over the wall, gain focus, shoot, and then for one AP walk back over the wall. And then I couldn't see them. So I had to literally take like a Parker crew, which is more or less shooting, but Parker, who has, uh, who at the time, I think he still does, a shot five and a positive gun, which is, like, really bad. Also, it has a claw on it, so it's melee as well. And charge him across the open, get to it. Because the rest of my crew couldn't, there was no cover on my side. And it was just, like, the most uninteractive game. Like, Parker, my master, was killed by a bunch of, like, three by, you, like, um... LaCroix minion models. He just got picked apart. And not and that's disregarding what like Ophelia actually did. It's like it cover was used to be incredibly strong, especially with certain types of models that can manipulate the uh mechanic. But that was that was probably the worst game of testing I had. It, like it felt so bad. There was nothing I could do. Like I think I, my crew got wiped by like middle of turn three. And I think I killed one model after Parker put like six AP into trying to kill it. It was so bad. So okay. uh, what was your favorite game? My favorite Um I I tried doing a a levy um cheese list where I stacked up a bunch of Bang. buffs on a deso engine and threw it into someone's face. Des- and can take damage to deal extra damage and heal on giving damage and stuff and tried to make him this god tier 3 AP monster. It didn't work. He got killed before he did anything, and I was sad. But Uh, it was a cool idea that I want to keep trying. I just haven't figured out how to do it yet. Roman, best game, worst game? Worst game was probably just an oh dear god why uh, that I did here. Uh, I was playing against... My my opponent was playing Bass, uh, which is a really cool crew, but he was playing him in wedge deployment. So Bass's crew bonus is for every one of them with their ability that does it, you get to move your deployment zone up an inch. So he was over the center line uh, at deployment. (laughs) And and, and this is why, like, that by itself, it's not that bad because most of his stuff, other than Bass himself and his henchmen, they want to be close, but not super close. It mostly allowed him to scheme really well on the on the sides. The problem was I was bringing Tony, and I specifically didn't bring Fitz because I wanted to prove that at that point, this was early on, like, if you didn't bring Fitz, she didn't survive. And it was true. She was dead by turn, very top of turn three. And because she was so balanced around the fact that Fitz is just this little defensive bubble. But it was it. I got my shit kicked in, but it it got some changes made. So that was the good point. Yay. My favorite game, uh, on the other hand, was I took my favorite master ever, Colette, uh, against uh, his favorite master, uh, Raspy. He was having some fun pushing his his ice golem up the table with uh, snowstorm, 
and had taken Power Ritual and had put the usual, like, one scheme marker back in his corner so he could get that for the max points in later turns. Uh, or rather, for the second point now, I guess. So Colette bounces up there, uses her bonus action to bury him with her saber, and it specifically says, him, him being the Ice Golem, who is still by himself slow. And the bonus action says, I hit you, you are buried, and your next activation, you get to unbury in base contact with a friendly scheme marker. Specifically, it says Colette gets to unbury them. He only had one scheme marker out at that point, and it was the one way back in the corner, away from anything that could speed the ice golem back to where he was needed in the center. So that, it was a, a gotcha moment for him, which he deserved after the bass game. In my opinion, it was it was all fun, but <laughs> it was a nice turnaround. Okay, uh, worst game for me was the first game I played: Ironsides versus uh, Sonya Crid. And uh, Sonya's been toned down, so this isn't really—I I don't think it's nearly as much of a problem. But she's a, still a bit of a hard counter to Ironsides. Uh, back then, every single model in her crew had counter spell. Counter spell in this game is you need to discard a card to declare a trigger. And if you're familiar with Ironsides' crew, you really, really need your triggers. Like, especially her her punch you back. That's a trigger, and she needs that to live. So, um, at my pathetic hand of six cards, uh, I was not declaring very many triggers. But also, Crid, um, Burning ticked up at the end of the turn, which it doesn't now. And Crid gave out, like, a lot of it pretty easily on blast and she had a min damage blast so i think i had like 12 points of burning by the end of turn one on my models so at that point there was kind of wow. no point in padding it out because otherwise i'd just be paralyzed slash slow for the rest of the game just trying to do that which was not the best thing because sonya can summon can basically deal damage to you with your burnt with the amount of burning you have on you and it doesn't go away so she can just keep doing it over and over again and once you die to that, she summons a Witchling off of you, either a Thrall or a Stalker. So, um, yeah, she just, just, just brutally murdered my entire crew. Um, she got, I think the, the turn that I conceded, she killed Ironsides and a Miner for a second Thrall and a Witchling Stalker, putting her to positive, like, tw almost 20 Soul Stones via summoning. Seems but uh, burning got fixed. She got toned down a little bit, so it's all good now. Or at least it should all be good now. Best game was the uh, wacky one I played with Brian, where I was just trying to ab try make an abusive killy list. So he went full theme Frycore, and I went Ironsides with like no one in her theme except Howard Langston. It was like Howard Langston, a mech rider, two mechanical spiders, and the new MVP of the Arcanists, the Arcane Emissary. And I think uh, Mouse and maybe someone else is in there. But basically, it's clump everyone up. Have the mech rider give out uh, crows in this instance. He can give out suits in a bubble, in a pulse. And so everyone on that crew had, like, good crows. It was, like, either injured or that's what, what Hank's um, execution was on. But I got completely tripped up by a single um, Frycore scout with, <laughs> with double landmines on him, which we found out he couldn't put it on there, but landmines at one point did three damage. So technically, if he blew up in the Moonlight crew, everyone would take six. So I had to scramble, and the crew didn't do a whole lot of killing. Really, it was kind of even on killing. We both just killed. We didn't really play to the scheme and strategies. It was kind of a fun game. But that was still a blast, and the Emissary is something you people need to fear. Um, they changed him 
like right after that, so his aura no longer completely prevents cheating. You have to discard the cheat, I think. But um, he's the new Hank, especially with one of the upgrades that gives him positive flips on the damage to charge. He's one of those ones that can charge plus two inches, and he can charge multiple times. And uh, Hank, Hank is kind of kind of weak, really. But that was my favorite game. So, uh, to wrap up really quick, uh, we'll go over things that we're going to miss from 2nd Edition and things we're not going to miss whatsoever, and then we'll call it good. Okay, guys? Yep. Okay. Good. Brian, things you'll miss, things you are happy um, are going away. Things I'll miss most is the new Von Shield following Wave 5 with the jumping and the leaping and the throwing things and you know, fast, um, along with M2E Sue. I love M2- M2E Sue. Strongarm suit, uh, Eric Schottmer, I think, is not a good model. I don't think I have a reason to take him anymore. And it got better. And then the biggest hurt I had uh, was Levy's hiring pool got completely destroyed. He can't hire out of faction undead constructs, which I get for, like, design space. But as someone, I've put in a couple, easily a couple hundred dollars into getting models painted and purchased for him. That sucks. I'm happy to leave, like... A hard, crazy alpha summoning, you know, <laughs> Alpha Strike, Vix, stupid, Yasunori, stupid, and then just the summoning cancer. Hamlin, stupid, some Nico, <laughs> stupid, things like that. Nico's dead, hallelujah. Praise Jesus. <laughs> Roman. Uh, as far as things I will miss, uh, I will miss uh, some of the mercenaries that we could take before, especially uh, bringing Anna Lovelace, Lovelace into Freecore. That was always really fun for me. Personally, again, with Colette, I will be sad that I can no longer just kind of throw Colette into whatever mini theme of Arcanist, like the I used to have a nice fire and ice list that I would bring her in, or she could just kind of run this menagerie of animals, and it was all just a different kind of show. Don't get me wrong, I really like New Colette. I think they did a really good job with her. But that was always a, a fun thing that I liked in the game. Things I will not at all miss at all, and they can stay back in the dark times, are exactly the same things Brian said with the, the Alpha Strike and the Nico nonsense. Those would be the big one. Uh, I'm not going to miss uh, Old Perdita or Sonya either. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a fan of New Sony much, but it, it, yeah. Okay, stuff will miss. I, I'm going to miss the memes. Yeah. Like, start of second edition, Howard Langston was the boogeyman. Was kind of the boogeyman, because he did so much damage he could kill your models. He's not like that anymore. Uh, he's got the fangs taken out of him. I, I'm going to kind of miss the themes I kind of grew up with and learned to love. Like... The reason I loved Ironsides and kept playing her after I picked her up was because she was incredibly mobile if you knew what you were doing and was, like, defensive in an alternative way. She couldn't take a lot of direct damage, but she could avoid lots of things. And that's it's just something she's she's losing she's not going to have unless they give her an all-card. And I can't, I'm not going to say it's a bad thing because the game is changing and it's evolving. I mean, it's just something I'm going to miss. I have a feeling that's going to happen for a lot of people. But things are going to change, and they're going to just not be what you're familiar with, or possibly not what you loved, and either got to find, learn to love them again, or move on to someone who kind of does what you liked before. Um, I'm going to miss some of the models that I can no longer field. Uh, I think Arcanist is one of the factions that mostly just lost stuff outside of, um, like, uh, 
uh, Hoffman bringing in his stuff, but then you'd have to you have to declare Hoffman stuff like that. <coughs> Excuse me. So, but you know what? Um, games changing, the world's evolving, the fluff's changing, um, themes and strategies have to change too. So, uh, I'll learn to deal with that. Uh, as far as stuff I'm going to be happy is gone. Oh yes, definitely the abusive summoning. Definitely vantage point. Mm-hmm. Definitely some of the things that I thought just felt kind of unfair. Like Leviticus being able to hire half the game felt a little like it wasn't. It was balanced, but it just sort of like why do you get that cool stuff kind of thing. I think that's primarily it. I'm sure we could talk about this for so long, but we've already been talking mm-hmm. for a long time. And people need to get to bed. So, I think this is a pretty good spot to leave it. Thank you guys for recording this with me. It's been a blast. I miss it. And we'll definitely not take as long to record another one. Because we're back, baby. Uh, This is is going to be, like, uh, so much better for the game and revitalize the community. Because I'm sure as everyone's pointed out... The game sort of died since they declared 3rd edition, and this will be a great revival. So, thank you, Brian. Thank you. It was a fun time. Thank you, Roman. Glad to be back. Looking forward to next time. And thanks, Victoria. Yeah. All right. Uh, And thank you, listeners, for uh, listening to this and uh, giving us another shot after we kind of left for a long time. Stay safe. Drive safe. Stay hydrated. And remember, fun more than anything else, is always king. Good night. Cheers. Good night, everybody.